May only truth be spoken here and only truth be heard. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Please be seated. Were you excited to be seated? I hope everybody wore their comfortable shoes today. One of the things that can get lost in our distraction as we hear this story, and more broadly, one of the things that can get lost in John's gospel, I think, um, with its mysticism, you know, and its kind of cosmological scope. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And it all seems so big. And yet, one of the things we can lose in all of that is that John's Gospel is also very funny. And this story that we read today, I kind of wish that we could stage it because it has this like sitcom-like quality. Or, you know, it reminds me of, uh, who's seen West Side Story? You remember like Officer Krupke, you know, gee, Officer Krupke. So like, I kind of imagine this man who was blind and was healed by Jesus as the kid, you know, and you know how in the, if you've seen it stage, like it'll be, the judge will come and then they'll sweep the judge out of the way and then the social worker will come and, you know, like, it's like this man's being dragged from one authority to another and these characters are coming on and off stage and they're like all just repeating the same thing over and over, right? Who sinned? Who sinned here? Somebody has to have sinned. Something's wrong and somebody has to have sinned. And everybody's asking this question. It begins as Jesus is walking by and there's a man who's blind from birth. The disciples want to know, well, whose fault is that? I mean, there are, a lot of, there are a lot of things we might struggle with in this passage, and one of them is the idea that disability is something that somehow makes our lives less worthy before God or less worthy in the community. The idea that disability is somehow a punishment. But this is something that comes up in this gospel. People want to know, who sinned? Why did this happen? This is probably something familiar for most of us, too. When we suffer, when someone we love suffers, we start looking around for the answer. Why is this happening? Who is to blame? What answers can I get and what solutions can I get? After this man receives healing through Jesus, people are still looking around for someone or something to blame still looking around for who did something wrong. And even the story ends with the idea that people are sinning, right? So from the beginning to the end, we've got this thread of who sinned, why do these things happen? Why do we suffer? And we have that theology that many of us might have brought forth from our own childhoods, that when we suffer or when someone we love suffers, that somehow God is involved and God is trying to teach us a lesson. Or, even if we don't think of it that way, 
we do have that question on the, on, the, on the corollary question is, why did something like this happen to someone innocent? Why is this innocent person suffering? Why was this innocent life lost? So this question, who's to blame? Why does this happen? Why do we suffer? And the desire to find underneath it all someone who did something wrong that we can blame. Was it this man? Was it his parents? Was it inherited? There's the thread. Jesus doesn't answer that question. Who sinned? Was it this man or his parents? Jesus goes to the man, goes right up to him and gets close. And I like to imagine, although it's not in this story, but it's in many stories where Jesus heals, that Jesus has a conversation, that Jesus says, what is it that you need? What is it that you want? That Jesus gets this man's consent before he lays his hands on him intimately. This man hears Jesus, knows the presence of Jesus, and experiences the healing that he had hoped for. No questions asked, no blame given. No one can accept that that happened, and they all want to know how this was possible, and they all want to blame Jesus. But Jesus must be doing something wrong. Someone somewhere did something wrong. This week, as I reflected on this story, I saw the words of a pastor out in California, Meredith Miller, who I, who I want to credit for this, but she says, when we begin and end our stories with sin, with who did what wrong, we're making a mistake. So I want to walk you through what that means. Here in this story, the question begins, did this man sin or did his parents sin? And it ends with the idea that someone somewhere is still in sin. You might think if you've been in church before, you, you remember the story. How does, how does the world begin? Right at the beginning, there's a snake and the snake tempts a woman and the woman does the wrong thing and then the husband does the wrong thing and then everybody everywhere is doing the wrong thing ever after, until Jesus, who takes away the sin and brings healing. Now Miller says, it's not that this story isn't true, because it is. This world is full of sin. This world is full of people doing the wrong thing. This world is full of suffering. And Jesus is the only way that we here know to be freed from that situation. But sin is not the beginning, and it is not the end. Miller says, in the beginning is the presence of God. Jesus is the presence of God. The story ends in the presence 
of God from beginning to end. In God, as St. Paul said, it's in you, O God, that we live and we move and we have our being. Sin and our redemption is in that story, but the story is bigger. The story begins in the presence of God. It continues in the presence of God, and Jesus is not just a sin reduction plan for the world. Jesus is the presence of God who draws close to us. The story finds its end in the presence of God. Whether that's the big story, whether that's your story, whether that's the story of one hour or day or one struggle or one situation in your life. The story will always begin with God and always end with God. And if you don't see that presence yet, that means the story isn't at an end. And it also means, by the way, when you read a story like this one today, where you say, if you say like I do, if God can bring this kind of healing, God, why did you not heal me? God, why did you not heal the one I love? We ask God, where were you? And if these things happen, and if we have to suffer, why? Jesus doesn't answer that question but he's there from the beginning to the end. And every one of our stories, and most especially our stories of suffering and questioning, they unfold in the presence of God. God is there in your story from the beginning to the end. Amen.